Please turn also to the New Testament. <clears throat> the text for this morning is Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer, particularly the fourth petition. <clears throat> I will read a, just verse 11. <clears throat> Give us this day our daily bread. May we go to our God together and ask for His blessings upon the reading and also the preaching of His Holy Word. Our Lord God, we thank You, Father, for You indeed are generous, that You are infinite in wisdom, that You are kind and compassionate to all that You have made. Father, we acknowledge that we are unworthy to receive what You have given us. Help us, Father, to give thanks always and to remember what seems so common so mindless, this command that we should ask for our daily bread and that asking we might see that we receive. And this might reinforce that you are a God who is faithful to hear, to provide, and to answer our prayers. Father, we thank you for you give us what is best. Help us, Father, not to look at others at what they are receiving and start to question your kindness. Father, may we rejoice and give thanks to you, for you are the one who gives us of your Son, Jesus Christ, who indeed is the bread of life, that he is the one of whom we may eat, and that we will never hunger. Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ we have our true hope for forgiveness, that we have eternal life through your Son. If any are here who do not know you, we pray, Father, that they would embrace the promises of eternal life, that they would embrace the promises of the forgiveness of sins, that we would all embrace this each time we hear the good news of the gospel. And we pray, Father, that Jesus, your Son, would be exalted, and that your servant would be humbled. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Imagine that you had a ruler in your area, whether it be a mayor or a governor or even the president. Imagine he had said, every day, every day of the week, at the time of your choosing, just has to be the same time every day, time of your choosing, I will set aside my time to call you. So if you want it to be at 12 noon, if you want it to be at 6 a.m., if you want it to be at 3 p.m., whatever it is, I will set aside what I'm doing. I'll call you and talk to you. Think about how, how much of a commitment that would be. Because you go about your day, whether you're in school, whether you're in work, right? And for you to say, oh, shoot, it's 6 a.m. Or, hey, it's, a, it's 10.30 in the morning and I need to call so-and-so. Think about how great of a commitment that would be. There are certain things that you can't do. There are certain things uh, that your places you're not able to go. If you don't have cell service, then you, you can't make that call. So you think about how an earthly ruler... For them uh, to say, hey, I'm going to set aside time for you every day. What a great commitment that would be. And then you look at our Almighty God. That Jesus, here in Matthew chapter 6, in His instructions on prayer, that He actually commands us. He commands us to pray to God, give us this day our daily bread. What ruler is greater than our God. 
all the rulers of this world, the mayors, the governors, the presidents, the prime ministers, the the despotic kings, anyone who has any power, they receive their power and authority from God. And He is the one who possesses all power and authority in heaven and on earth. And He commands us that we might go to Him. And that it is not too much for His time. It is not too much for His effort. But you and I might see, when we ask of God, He hears and He answers. That you and I might be able to realize, by this command that Jesus has given us, that we indeed are desperately needy people. We're not independent, we're dependent. We're dependent on God. We're dependent on others. And that we might see, even through this, that Jesus is the one who faithfully provides for you all that you need. Is given to a, given to you by Him. When we think about this text, Jesus, who is the Son of God, who walked the face of this earth, who was the greatest, greatest person who has ever lived, the greatest preacher who has ever lived, here in the Sermon of the Mount, He was describing what true religion is. That Jesus, who indeed is God, who is the Word incarnate, when He tells us about true religion, you and I must listen. We must heed. We must believe. We must obey. And that when He is telling us about prayer, it was needed then, it's needed today, it's needed tomorrow, that we must realize that prayer, if we can't get prayer right, we will get nothing right in religion. We will get nothing right in the Christian life. And here, He's telling us that we ought to pray and ask for our daily sustenance each day. For the truth that we see in this, in this command, in the Lord's Prayer, the fourth petition, in it, you confess your total dependence on God for life and His faithfulness to sustain you. In the Lord's Prayer's fourth petition, you confess your total dependence on God for life and His faithfulness to sustain you. We'll look at this in two points. The first is what your prayer for daily sustenance implies about you. And the second, what your prayer for daily sustenance reveals about God. So the first, what your prayer for daily sustenance implies about you. So we think about the fourth petition. And we consider its relations to the other petitions. We think about how The Lord's Prayer is so simple that on one hand, I can read you this verse, give us this day our daily bread, and I should be able to close the Bible and sit down and say, we're done, there's there's nothing else that needs to be said. When you think about how Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, the perfection of it, the conciseness, the simplicity, as given by our Lord Jesus, we started with the preface, our Father who is in heaven, Tells us who we're addressing, who we're, to whom we are praying. And then we have the first three petitions. These deal directly with God. And then we have the second three petitions, uh, of which uh, give us our daily bread is the first of those second three. So the second three petitions deal with man. So when we pray, typically we, we go first to our, our own needs, or rather our own wants, our own desires. Uh, but we ought to think first about these things, that uh, hallowed be your name, that God's name ought to be glorified. 
then your kingdom come. We ought to be thinking about the expansion of Christ's kingdom. We ought to think about uh, the kingdom that God is building through His Son rather than our own kingdom. Then we ought to be thinking about God's will. God's will be done, not our will. And after those things, then we should be thinking about the other needs. And here we have, give us this day our daily bread. So you might ask, why should I pray for our daily bread? Well, what is this all about? Well, it's very easy to think um, mechanistically about life. So, you think about mechanistically, it means that you get up in the morning and most people, they go to a job. So, maybe today, things are a little different. You don't you don't change your clothes and, and you know hop on a bus or drive drive your car to some office. You you plop into your chair uh, with with some proper stuff up top and your pajamas on the bottom, right? And you flip on your computer, right? But the bottom line is people tend to think, well, I, I go to work and then I do a job and I get paid this income and with that income, it's not even uh, it's not even any kind of real real material that you're, you're paid. You're not paid in gold and silver. You're paid with uh, bites on a screen. And then you go to your Trader Joe's or your Aldi's or your Cub and, and then you, um, you buy food and then you bring it home and then you eat the food. And you say, well, well what's the big deal? I, I have a job and I, I work, I get food. What does God have anything to do with it? Well, this is what we need to take a step back from. We ought not to think so mechanistically. What does God have to do with it? God has everything to do with it. It's a wrong conclusion to think that your job or your company provides your food. It is God who is your provider. Your job or your company is merely the means of the provision. So for you children, it's merely your parents who are the means of God's provision. God is providing for you. He's providing for you through the means of your parents. That if you're working, it's merely the company that God uses to provide for you. Now we could take a step back even and say, well, what is it that we actually need? So we need food. We assume that food nourishes. Food doesn't always nourish. We can't assume that. God spoke in times past to His people, Israel. And one of the curses that He gave them is that he would cause them wasting disease. Leviticus 26. Then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease, and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. You think about the various ways that God could, could take this bread. Your enemies could, could take your crops, could take your, your livestock, but this wasting disease. So we assume if we eat this food, it's going to nourish us. Wasting disease. So I'm not a doctor. I can think of a few things. I can think of parasites. I think of parasites. A tapeworm. Well, a tapeworm in your body is going to consume that food and you're not going to get the nutrients. Oh, what about back then? There was probably diabetes. With diabetes, uh, you can't make use, you can't process the food that you have. And back then, people knew what it was. They didn't quite, couldn't quite cure it. Right? So was, was the pancreas not producing enough in- insulin? Or were, were there the receptors that insulin was being produced, but they were, there weren't the receptors? So this would cause a wasting disease, and the person would eventually uh, starve 
a lack of nutrition and die. We can't assume that if we eat good food, it will nourish us because there are certain things that have to happen. Uh, metabolic cycles. God controls all of those things. We can't assume that this, if this, then that. So this is why we pray for our daily bread. Because God is in control of all of these things that we often take for granted. We don't think about them. We don't realize them. What about the daily? Pray for our daily bread. Our bread each day. Why bother God each day? Wouldn't it be better if we just prayed, God, why don't you give us our food for the week? Or our food for the month? Or our food for the year? So we only have to pray once a year about this topic and say, God, just give us our food for the entire year. No? That is not what Jesus commanded. Jesus commands here in the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. Here, God delights when His children come to Him and ask of Him in faith. So He doesn't want you to say, hey, God, I only want to come to you once a year or once in ten years. For the rest of my life, I'll just come to you once. No, He wants us to come to Him all the time, every day. It's so that you and I might see, God, you are the giver of all things that I need. And if you stopped giving, I realize my life would come to a quick end. God delights to give to his children. And we think about bread. Is Jesus only talking about bread? About, about uh, a loaf made out of barley and or wheat? No. He's not only talking about bread. Here, Jesus, he's using the words, and for the Jews, bread is synonymous with food. So when people, we have the word food, uh, for the Jews, that when they, when they talk about bread, bread is food. Have you eaten bread yet? In Asian countries, for the Chinese, the equivalent is rice. Their, their, food, their, their word for food is rice. Have you eaten rice? Because that's, that's the most basic element. That whether there's someone who's rich or poor, in those cultures, they all eat rice or they all eat bread. And that it is the the essential thing that sustains us. Think also about the ways that God provided for people in the past. How about Elijah? Elijah, there was a drought and that God, he told him to go to this brook Cherith, there the brook provided his water and then God would send ravens and the ravens would bring bread and they would bring meat for him twice a day once in the morning, once in the evening and then when, when the brook dried up then uh, God sent Elijah uh, to this widow and that the widow he ate from the widow who had a jar of, of, of olive oil and a jar of wheat and that was his provision. And you look at John the baptizer. Remember what the scripture said about his diet? It wasn't bread. It was locusts and wild honey. Something like a, a grasshopper. I have uh, chickens. We have five chickens in our backyard. And if I see a grasshopper, I'll try to stomp on it, tap it, so that I can take it and feed it to our chickens. But you realize it was God's design that the locust or that grasshopper is actually very nutritious. That it is a 
very, very high source of protein. You should probably cook it before you eat it, though, because there could be uh, germs in there. But, you know, we don't think about eating locusts, but this was food, and John the baptizer, God provided them locusts, wild honey to eat. But bread, it's not merely bread. Bread is symbolic. Bread is a metonymy of all the necessities of life. In Acts 17, the Apostle Paul, speaking to these Greeks, to these Athenians, saying that God is the one who gives the man life and breath and all things. God is the one who provides for those things. We read earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So the typical needs, water, or air, water, food, clothing, shelter, these are the essential elements, and that we ought to pray that the Lord would sustain us. This means that this command, give us this day our daily bread, this prayer, means that you and I should not be praying for extravagant or luxurious things. We shouldn't be asking for all the riches of this world. You think about the, the prayer, the, the prayer of Agur in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and and so dishonor the name of my God. So there's two requests. Give me neither poverty nor riches. And the word is, most people have no problem praying that first prayer. Give me no poverty. But they have a much harder time praying that second prayer. Don't give me any riches. But you realize, if anything, the second is worse. Because the problem there is that those who become wealthy, that God warned the Israelites in Deuteronomy, when you become full, when you have all these flocks, all these herds, when I bless you in the field, I bless you in the pasture, and all these things multiply, God warned them, you are going to forget me. You will say, who is the Lord? And this is very bad. You ask, why is it that God gives us just enough? And for many of us, it's because we don't have the discipline. We simply don't have the discipline to to be good stewards of some of these things. Just look at the examples of people who have won, you know, fifty, hundred million dollar lotteries. What happens to their lives? It's not good. It's typically very bad. And Everyone else looks at them and says, Wow, that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. But if you ask them months, years later, they would say, No, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. I found out that all of the people around me that I thought were my friends just wanted me to give me give the, to share this money with them. I lost all my friends, my, my family disowned me, right? And then I became a pauper. And all these things, you think about it, how much better it is that God is one who is daily giving us our daily needs. So from this, from this petition in the Lord's Prayer, 
Give us this day our daily bread. You and I should gather from it this simple truth. That we should regularly be acknowledging to God our daily dependence upon Him. All of these things that we need for our sustenance, that you and I are totally dependent upon God. That we cannot get by in this life without God's provision, without His generosity, without His wisdom, without His kindness. That God, you provide these things. That it's also a forsaking of other gods. That when we go to God asking Him, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, Lord, we acknowledge that You and You alone are the one who provides us these things. So when that employer comes and says, you shall, you shall lie to our customers and do this, we will say, who is my employer? Who is my provider? It is God. And my employer has told me to betray my God. I'm not going to do that. If you will fire me, fire me. But I'm not dependent on you for my daily bread. So that you might say, listen, I'm willing to live with the consequences because you don't provide me my daily food. My God does. He will take care of that. It's a difficult decision. It requires faith to follow that. But ultimately, God is the one that we worship. And God is the one whom we fear. And God is the one who provides for you your daily sustenance. So this means forsaking all other forms of providers. Colleges and universities like to pride themselves on their high rates of employment after graduation. Ultimately, who is the one who gives you your first job? Who is the one who gives you your middle, your last job? It's all God who provides these things. Do not, do not get swept up with the marketing. Man likes to claim credit for these things. Institutions like to claim, we do this for you. This is your income. This is your success. We are the one. You paid it, you paid it because you have this fancy piece of paper on the wall. Look past those things. God is the one who provides your every need. <clears throat> There's dangerous claims. You're in danger. Your life is in danger. That there's weather systems coming, there's going to be a famine. So you want to panic. There's viruses around. You want to panic. We alone can provide for your safety. You need to do this, this, and this, exactly as we say. That we alone can guarantee your safety. Who alone guarantees your safety? God and God alone. Don't ever forget that. God and God alone provides for your safety. What the world likes to do is say, your life is in grave danger. Whatever danger that might be. And that you have to follow our way of thinking. You have to follow our line of thought. And you have to worship us. Because we have your secret to safety. Whatever the world says, your life is in no more danger than it was yesterday or last year. Really, it wasn't. God is protecting and preserving your life. You are not going to live a day longer or a day shorter than what God has planned for you. Regardless of what someone else tells you, whispering a lie in your ear. God is the one who sustains your life. God is the one who protects your life. 
anyone who claims, I can guarantee your safety, that person is a liar. God alone protects your life and guarantees your safety and your provision. God's provision for your daily sustenance is a gift. When you go to work, you earn a wage. So you put in the work, and afterwards they pay you a wage. But you realize that with God, it's not the same thing. We can't go to God and say, I did this work, now give me my food. No. You have to realize that God doesn't work that way. When Adam worked in the garden, before he fell, there was somehow something different. That there were, perhaps you can say, a different relationship there. He, when he fell, that he, he lost the rights of all those things. That is where we are outside of Christ. That God is one who gives generous gifts to His people. That when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying that we don't earn these things from God as wages. Realize that when God gives to us our everyday needs, our daily food, these are all gifts coming from our God. And you cannot demand a gift. Hey, I saw you gave a gift to so-and-so, where's my gift? Don't ever say that. Because a gift, by definition, is not required. Wages are. Wages are, but gifts are not. So when God is the one who gives, then we ought to say, this is a gift from God. Even the food that we have, it's a gift. I can't demand it. I can't require it of God. He's promised that the righteous will not go hungry. That King David has witnessed, he says, I am... Young and now I'm old. But I have not seen the children of the righteous begging for bread. We can't demand it of God, even though He promised it. We can plead it from Him. We can ask for Him. We can request it of Him in prayer. <clears throat> Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul asks, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? All the things that we have, we've received it from God as a, as a precious gift. Well, you said earlier that uh, we don't earn these things from God. True. We don't earn our daily food from God. But he also said, 2 Thessalonians 3, He who does not work shall not eat. Meaning that God is one who labors. That Jesus says there's 12 hours of, of day and He is at work. That His God is always at work. And God expects us as people to be diligent. That we ought to be busy with our hands. That we ought not to be busy bodies. And that's why He gave this warning, He who does not work shall not eat. So, so if, if you're not wanting to work and you're expecting that someone will give you money on which to live, there's something wrong with that. We should be saying, no, God it says, he who does not work shall not eat. So if someone's going to provide me with food without working, there's something improper in that situation. You and I are called to labor diligently. To pray and ask God for daily food without working this is a mockery of God. It should not be happening. Notice also, 
Give us this day our daily bread. So it says that you and I should not merely be praying for your own needs, your individual needs. Not even just your family's needs. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with praying for your daily bread or your family's daily bread. You're, you're called to care and provide for yourself, for your, for your own bodies. You're called to provide for your family. But when we say our daily bread, we should be thinking about others also. We should be thinking about those around us. We should be thinking about those within the church. And that we, when we think about them, that we ought to be willing to share with them. If you see a brother in need, and you merely say, be warm and well fed, we're told in the scriptures that this ought not to be. That there ought to be the words. There ought also to be actions. There's also the matter of envy. Of envy. So it's easy for us when we go about our lives to say, oh, look at so-and-so there. He's so successful in his work. And he's been so blessed. But if you are praying, God, give so-and-so his daily bread too, then there should be a guard against envy because what we ought to say is, Lord, I prayed for so-and-so and I'm seeing that you're blessing him. So praise the Lord, you've answered my prayers. And this is a good thing, that we ought not to compare ourselves with others. There's also, in each one of you, there ought to be a contentment in God's perfect, wise, and generous gift. That we ought to say, Lord, you manifest your kindness and your generosity. That we ought never to be saying, Lord, why did I receive less? We should always be saying, Lord, thank you so much for the generosity that you have given me. We ought to think that God is good. He never shortchanges us. He's always generous with us. When we start comparing ourselves with other people, this is where we get into problems. We ought to remember God is generous, God is loving, God is wise, God is kind, God is holy. He's impartial. When we can believe those things, then we know that whatever you and I receive, it is enough, it is sufficient. That when you and I receive those things, it's not to spend on our selfish pleasures. With the Apostle Paul, he said there are only two options. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He says that uh, if I have life, it means fruitful ministry for me. So when you and I pray for our daily sustenance, it's not so that we can spend it on our selfish recreations, our selfish time, uh, our selfish enjoyment. Our lives are given to us, the sustaining of life, for fruitful ministry that we might serve Him in whatever area that you and I have been called by God. So this is the first point. What your prayer for daily sustenance implies about you. We have also the second point. What your prayer for daily sustenance reveals about God. It reveals that our God is a faithful provider. Think back to what we read in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 taught us about how God provided manna for the Israelites. That they wandered the wilderness for 40 years. And you think about how regular, how dependable God is. 60, uh, sorry, uh, 40 years. 
six days a week, there was a difference on the Sabbath day. God said that there would be no gathering, that they were to gather double the day before. But He never missed. God never forgot, oh, I forgot to send the manna for my children. He's dependable in that way. He is trustworthy. Children, have you ever thought about this manna? I remember in a, in a children's class, my friends who were teaching the class, they came up with the, the best analogy they could. Uh, it's, a, it's like uh, frosted flakes, except that uh, it was nutritious. <laughs> so it tasted like frosted flakes, right? They said it looks like a wafer, right? It's corn flake with, with sugar on it. It tastes like honey. Well, there you go. Frosted flakes, but it was nutritious for people. And you might look back and say, wow, that's, that's great. If only we had that. Well, God provides in other means, right? God provides in other means. Common means, supernatural means, but you look back, you look back, we ought to say, what happened to those people who ate that manna? Why were they even in the wilderness wandering for 40 years? God had promised for those people who left Egypt, He said that they were a wicked and unbelieving generation. And He promised them, you will never enter my rest. Meaning, you're not going to enter the promised land. Forty years wandering so that that generation that left would die off. A new generation would be born. They would enter the promised land. That meant that these people who were wandering, who were eating that manna and the quail, they were of that wicked, unbelieving generation that had all the blessings, all the promises, the supernatural provision every day. They were the ones who got up in the morning and gathered that omer of, of manna. Yet they didn't believe. So there's nothing special that they got this supernatural provision, though you and I get the natural provision. It's still God providing. And what you and I ought to be saying is, we ought to believe that whatever God provides, supernatural, natural, we should give thanks to Him. And that He indeed is generous. He is trustworthy. He never misses a day. We also ought to say that our God delights to give. God is the cheerful giver. He, he calls us to be cheerful givers. And He indeed is the cheerful giver. He gives without finding fault. He enjoys to give. He delights when you, His children, go to Him and say, God, here I am again, asking for my daily bread. And then we thank Him. We thank You for providing for us. Psalm 145, 15-16. The eyes of all look to You, and You give them their food at the proper time. You open Your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. This is our God. He is the one who is exceedingly generous. He never gives reluctantly. He gives with an open hand. And He gives generously to those of us who don't deserve. Think also about God's voluntary condescension. That God is one who condescends to our level. He condescends to our level to provide us with our daily food. Think about Psalm 8, verse 4. What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? 
That's the question that should come into our minds each time we pray and ask God for our daily bread and we thank Him for providing is, why do you take thought of us? Why do you condescend to our level to deal with us? God is the generous giver of all. James 1.17 Every good thing given, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That our God is the one who is the generous giver of all things. Then when we talk about this voluntary condescension, what greater condescension is there? Not just our daily bread, but our God provides us His Son who is the bread of life. This is the ultimate of condescension. That He sent His Son so that we might eat not for a day, but that we might live for an eternity. That He knows our need. It's it's not just the fact that you need air, uh, water, and food, and shelter. He knows your greatest need. That's that's your need for righteousness. It's, It's your need for forgiveness. That this is your greatest need. And He met that greatest need in providing His Son. That Jesus He sent, born of a woman. See, He doesn't fit the mold about the descendants of Adam because He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so He is without sin. And that this Jesus lived the perfect life, the very life that you and I cannot live. And that when you and I think, well, what do I need to do? I need to be able to eat to get till tomorrow. Well, God has provided His Son, the bread of life, that if you eat of Him, you will never hunger. That you will have life eternal. Well, you might ask, well, what what can I do to earn this? And the answer is, you cannot earn it. You must receive it by faith. You must receive it based on God's gracious promise that sinners who come to Him believe His promise that we can be forgiven of our sins. Is it that easy? God's promise is always true. Lord, these things, these things that I've done, I need no longer be ashamed of them because you separate those sins from me as far as the east is from the west. That I can come to you again and again and again just as I come to you for my daily bread and that I receive forgiveness. That God indeed is good. That there's no shame in coming to God. God, I've sinned again. Will you forgive me? Turn from your sin and receive the promise of eternal life. Receive the promise of forgiveness. God indeed is good. And His promises are sure. And His Son is perfect. And that you and I have only of our, of our demerits to boast of. And we have of our God to boast to others. God indeed is good. He is a gracious and compassionate God. He receives sinners. Come, drink of the fountain of which I have drunk, that He indeed is worthy of our praise, that He provides us His Son, and through His Son alone, you and I have eternal life. May we go to our God together.